Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, where we believe that no matter what you've gone through in life, God is inviting you to partner with Him to take back your story. On this podcast, we have inspiring conversations with people who are doing just that. And now, your hosts, Davey Blackburn and Aubrey Sampson. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I am one of your hosts, and Aubrey... Our other host is actually out sick. Um, not sure if you know this, but we tend to batch record these intros and outros. Uh, it's a way for Aubrey and I to kind of get in one setting in at one time, and we can walk through all of these to kind of <laughs> save some time and not have to do this week after week after week. And so typically we'll record, you know, three, four, sometimes five of these um, intros and outros to the podcast. And unfortunately, during this recording segment this month. Um, Aubrey is sick. And so I was going to try to pull Christy on to help us, but Christy is in the middle of all kinds of projects. I don't know if you guys know this. Um, and many of you guys may be new to the nothing is wasted podcast. Christy is my wife and she is a PA and she has just started a practice with an ER doctor here in town and, um, recently has released a cookbook. She's all about functional fitness and wellness, holistic wellness. She just released a cookbook a little while ago, and now she's releasing a monthly meal plan. You can buy a monthly, seasonally, and a year subscription. And so she has just been slammed. I mean, so much stuff going on at the Blackburn household between our travels with getting to churches and um, uh, and preaching and sharing our story, as well as launching the Paint a Purpose course in churches um, at takes up most of our weekends. And then during the week, we're just kids are at school and activities. It's just crazy. I don't know who else has a crazy life, right? You guys all have crazy lives. It's, it's nuts. It's really busy, but we love serving you. We love um, being a part of this nothing is wasted community. And, um, you know, so uh, all that is to say, Christy was unavailable. Aubrey was unavailable. So you're stuck with me all by myself. (laughs) And um, hopefully, hopefully it's okay. Hopefully I don't uh, bored you guys too much. Uh, but we are finishing This is the conclusion of our widowhood series. And this has been an unbelievable series. I mean, we have seen you guys respond to this series more than we have a, a lot of our episodes. Um, the, the listenership, the numbers for the listenership are, is, is, is way up during the series. You guys are sharing it, which makes me really, um, grateful, but it also makes me very sad that there are so many people who are uh, in this situation where they've lost a spouse. And uh, so we, as always, want to provide content for you as you're trying to navigate whatever trauma, tragedy, or major life transition that you're going through. Um, but 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 in this situation, we wanted to give you something that would speak specifically to a widowhood situation. Now, just because this is a widowhood series, it does not mean that if you're not a widow or not a widower, that it doesn't apply to you. There are so many rich, rich truths that are brought out during this that every one of us can learn. Because at the end of the day, pain is the common denominator of life. And so everything we talk about in this episode with John Hagedorn uh, also applies to to, to everybody um, in terms of the principles uh, that we talk about. And on top of that, it really helps you with the ministry of empathy, the ministry of empathy. This is a huge deal friends, because we're all going to know somebody who's going to lose, uh, their spouse and the way that you show up for them speaks volumes to them and about your friendship and your love for them. I just recently, um, a couple weeks ago, went down to, to Florida to, 
visit a friend of mine uh, because his wife recently passed away from leukemia. And this is a friend that I grew up with playing baseball, like pretty much our whole life from the time we were seven years old, eight years old. And, um, and just sat with them, was just there with them. It was a beautiful celebration of life service. Um, just so God honoring, so worshipful, but you can tell, man, I didn't know his wife very well. I know him a lot better to know his wife very well. They had just started getting involved at nothing is wasted in our ministry as community group leaders when she was diagnosed with leukemia. And, um, but I could tell just being there in that community, how loved she was. And, um, who, man, I'm just, you know, I'm rambling right now a little bit, but all of it to say, all, all of this is to say that no matter what situation you're in or what you have or have not gone through, the principles that we learn in walking with people who have lost, um, who've experienced loss, they're so valuable. We can all be inspired and glean something from people who are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, because that's where we meet. Uh, that's where we meet God. That's where we really get to know him. Okay. We're going to step into this conversation with John Hagedorn. Um, John is the founder of Family Lines, which is a ministry made up of wilderness guides and filmmakers. They're leveraging their talents along with a passion for fishing to fight absence and fatherhood. This is an unbelievable mission. Uh, through their films, their signature expeditions, hands-on workshops, and investment in their, in their volunteer facilitators and field instructors, a.k.a. dadvocates, that's what they call their field instructors. Family Lines um, capitalize on the intentional space of fishing to challenge fathers to fight absence, choose presence, and engage restoration with their children. Um, and, and, and John has created an incredible ministry, and it's something that he and his late wife, uh, they really kind of created together. And you're going to hear his story. I was first connected to John. You'll hear this a little bit in the conversation. I was first connected to him through Ken Roberts, who is our coaching director and Pain to Purpose local church director. Ken is also a widower, and Ken coaches most of the folks that come into Nothing Is Wasted Ministries as widowers. And um, and and so that's how we got connected with John. He started going through Pain to Purpose, and um, Ken coached him uh, one-on-one. And Ken reached out to me and said, you have got to meet this guy. Unbelievable, unbelievable man of integrity, man of God, man of character with some rich wisdom about uh, his life and, and, and the loss of his wife and what God is doing in his life since then. And so I want you to listen to this conversation. Um, before you listen to this, I would love to invite you to rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out. We would appreciate that. And stick around. We'll, we'll talk a little bit. I'll talk. I'll talk to you a little bit about my thoughts on this conversation. Let's go ahead and jump into my conversation with John Hagedorn. John, it's such an honor to have you joining me on the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. Thanks for being here. Honor to be here, Davey. Well, I know that, um, you know, we've gone back and forth a little bit on multiple different channels, but also... I have heard so much about you from our Pain to Purpose coaching director, Ken Roberts. Uh, <laughs> from the moment that he had a first conversation with you, he, he, <clears throat> he texted me or something. And he called me up and he said, man, you've got to meet this guy. Uh, uh. And, and so I'm just thrilled to have this conversation. And I'm more thrilled even that our community gets a, a window in to be able to listen to your story and what God's doing in your life. Um, so thanks. This is, this is an honor to be here with you. 
Well, you too, Davey. And I've, I've shared this with Ken and I think I've shared with you. I, I, uh, I think back to the loss of, um, my late wife, Erin, which we'll, I know we'll get into here. And I, when everything flipped upside down and in my world and my two boys, uh, the last thing I was searching for was another sermon topic Mm -hmm. or a, uh, uh, a teaching in that way. I just needed, I wanted testimony. I needed to hear yeah. from those that have been through loss and walked hand in hand with God and could remind me, uh, God is real and yeah. he is with us and there is hope and healing and victory on the other side. And I think of uh, scripture out of Revelation 12, where we're reminded that the enemy was, he's thrown down, he's cast down and defeated by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And that's, uh, your ministry has been a lifeline to, uh, mm-hmm. me and my boys through that, through that season and beyond. So I'm, when I say I'm honored to, to share, uh, I'm just praying as I know you are that, that, uh, God will bring comfort to people that are in a, a, a similar season looking for hope. Yeah. And, uh, and he absolutely is, uh, all that he says he is and more. And so it's just, it's cool to be able to, to hopefully give some hope and wow. share our story. So, wow. well, thank you for that. Yeah. That's, it's so meaningful. You know, that's why we do this. Yeah. That's why we share people's stories because exactly what you said, revelation 12, this is how we overcome, you know, we have to borrow each other's faith when we don't have faith of our own. And that's right. And, um, and, and, you know, at a point, at some point you were in a place where you needed comforting and now you're in a place where you're able to comfort others in the same way that you've been comforted as scripture tells us. And so, man, we're grateful for that and uh, grateful for your time. You know, I'd love for our listeners just to hear a little bit about you just kind of present day, you know, what, what do you do? What do you spend kind of your everyday doing? I know there's a lot there, but, um, we'd love to hear a little bit about that. And then we'll go back and, and reach back and, and talk about your story and, and, and everything that happened. Yeah. Well, uh, I live in North central Washington state. So <clears throat> right now we have about five feet of snow out the window. So this last <laughs> weekend, uh, my wife and boys and I, we spent time shoveling it away and, <laughs> and then it just kept piling up. We had over 48 inches in uh, 36 hours. So it was, wow. it was pretty crazy, but beautiful place to live. Um, it's one of the smallest places towns in the state, but ironically, one of the largest tourist destinations. So really pretty. Um, Live here with my beautiful wife, Julie. We just celebrated our three-month wedding anniversary here back on (laughs) January 10th. So we'll get into that more too. And then we have two boys. Uh, Our oldest is 18. His name is Lian. He's a senior in high school and uh, graduating this year. And then our youngest is 14. His name is Bodhi. So we're right in the, wow. the thick of the teenage uh, boy yeah. years. But I love love being a husband, love being a dad, uh, love the outdoors, and uh, I'm involved in a, a ministry that uh, I started back in 2010 called Family Lines. And it's, uh, it's really centered on encouraging fathers to engage their kids and remain in the fight and, and fight against being absent in their kids' lives. And um, so, yeah, that's a little bit about who we are and, and what, we're, what we're doing right now. Wow. Wow. So. Well, you know, when I heard what you do, I, I just, I was overwhelmed with joy because that's such a mm-hmm. needed ministry. You know, I think more in this time in history than ever. Yeah. Um, I just, I feel like the enemy is trying to attack the father in the homes trying yeah. to make the, the father, for whatever reason, by whatever circumstance, make him absent or negligent or, you know, just um, not showing up and not being present. Because I honestly believe that the enemy's tactic is to make us 
project that our view of our he- our earthly father onto our heavenly father yeah. and make us think then that that is the picture of our heavenly father when that's entirely not the case. Yeah. And so I'm sure you're seeing and working with so many people who have one had some, you know, things that they've had to work through with kind of reconstructing their their idea of who the heavenly father is, but then also you're working on so much of that restoration and bringing father and son, father and daughter back together, which is so cool. That's right. Yeah, and it's interesting, Davey, too. And and again, I know we'll get into this a bit more, but uh, I think of John 10, 10, Jesus mm. reminds us that we have an enemy. He's out to kill, steal, and destroy, but that, that Jesus offers us life to the full. And when, when my world, the boy's world, flipped upside down, I mean, I, you know, for the past several years, uh, my late wife, Erin, and I, we started Family Lines feeling we were following a calling that God put on our, our heart to minister more as a family and two families. And then I'm sitting here in a place where everything's turned upside down and all the the confidence I had as a father, not not an arrogance, but a confidence, meaning I, I was a loving, engaged dad. I unconditionally uh, loved my boys. I knew unconditional love because of how my dad loved me. Yeah. And, and ultimately how our Heavenly Father has loved our family and, and given us that love to give away. And, but then I found myself in a place of, I don't even know what to do yeah. as a dad anymore. I don't, I mean, I, my, my uh, wife of 23 years and their mom is, is now dead. I, I'm a single dad. You know, you're, you're on the other side of a camera lens that right. you didn't ever think you'd be on. Uh, part of the work um, we've done through Family Lines is documenting uh, stories of other mm-hmm. fathers and things they've been through and, and their stories of hope they have to give away. And yeah. usually, and, and here I am just trying to come up with, how do I even start to lead my boys anymore or be strong enough for myself to be able to lead my boys? And and so all that to say, I just I I just felt so strongly the... the that knife edge you're walking on of the enemy is trying to tear down uh, the heart of everything that you've walked into with the Lord that he's uh, built around you and built into you and called you to. And there was a, and still is, right? I mean, we're, we're all in process of of walking into the Lord's healing and and fighting to to regain that ground. And, um, but I, uh, what I've shared with several people lately is I'm not writing any books right now on how to raise teenage boys. Uh, <laughs> not till they're and, at least 40, or, 50 years old, right? <laughs> exactly. Yep. Uh, but I'm in the, I'm in the fight. I mean, they know I'm not going anywhere. Um, yeah. they're unconditionally loved. I, I'm intentional. Uh, Julie and I are both intentional in our conversation with them, but, um, yeah, it's, it's been quite a journey that way. So, yeah, yeah I bet. Yeah, you know, I'll say this and then we'll we'll dive in, but I feel like we could camp here for a long time and co- and, mm-hmm. and and provide commentary around this because it no matter where you are, like you said, the things that you're establishing, the kingdom things you're establishing around your family as you're following, as your family's following kingdom principles, as there's those kinds of, you know, hedges and structures, so to speak, that are set up around your family, the enemy is constantly trying to break those down. I mean, yeah. that is his MO, is he does not yeah. want wholeness. To take place. He wants to fracture. He wants to divide. And he's going to do it through families. He's going to do it through kingdom organizations. He's going to do it any way he can get and weasel his way in and just fracture things. And so he he loves to take, you know, the things of this fallen world, the brokenness, you know, what we experience in, in death and disease and 
famine and crime and all of those things that are evidence of this world being fallen. He, he loves to take those things and use those to continue to fracture families. And it becomes even more exacerbated when you've walked through something like what you've walked through. Mm. When you've walked yeah. through quite literally your family getting severed. And now there's a, there can, there can often be a ripple effect of a continued fracturing of a family. And to your mm. point, you're, you know, you have to stay vigilant of going, no, we're not going to let this continue to have this, this fracturing ripple effect throughout our family. We're going to keep holding ground uh, as far as putting those kingdom structures in, in place. And as we do that, as we align ourselves in that way, then the Lord can show up and restore yeah. and mend those broken pieces and do those things. You know, we're getting ahead of ourselves, we're, we're, but mm. man, let's, why don't we dive back? And I want you to just share with us, you know, uh, let's share with us a little bit about life before this tragedy and, um, you know, about your late wife and then, and then what happened? Yeah. Uh, I'll share a little bit. I'm just going to share a journal, small journal entry from Aaron's uh, journal, if that's okay. Mm, absolutely. Because um, this just summed up who she was and how she how she lived. She said, the, the secret of life, we're here to learn how to love. And she wrote down John 15, 12, a new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. And I think back about how Aaron lived in that uh, she, more than anybody I've known, just just gave everything away, just lived to, to give it away. But before that, the story, before the story, um, Aaron and I, we got married at 19 and 20. So we were <laughs> married 23 years when, when she passed away. We didn't know a thing. I mean, we were... <laughs> We were, uh, we did a lot of growing up together. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that was maturing even in, in the Lord, coming to know Him. First of all, she grew up in, um, with a Catholic background and, and knew about the Lord, but didn't have a relationship with Jesus. I grew up in a small town, rural church and gave my life to the Lord when I was young, but, but neither one of us was really living for the Lord when we got married. And He did the rescuing work in our heart and in our mm -hmm. marriage. And, um, and I had the opportunity a few years into our marriage to, to lead Aaron to the Lord as well. And just wow. to see how God um, established our foundation in him and then called us to step with him into um, to ministry out of college. He graduated with a teaching degree and I was in a recreation leadership program. And we both um, just felt strongly the Lord was calling us to lay, lay your life down for others. And so that's what we built our, um, our life around. So we, uh, but it was in, uh, it was on July 7th, we were on a family vacation in Idaho, visiting some friends. And, um, the the guy's house that we were staying at he had an apartment and he called it uh ebenezer he named it they had just built the house not too long ago he had a lot of people uh, that were a part of helping him build it and it was just this really cool story of how god provided their house and he wanted to um memorialize it and ebenezer is as you know means uh, stone of remembrance or stone of help and yeah. um so it was the morning of July 7th. This was a uh, nice, beautiful blue sky morning. We're sitting out on the porch with the boys uh, looking out, and we decided as a family to come back on that story of Ebene the Ebenezer because Paul had shared that with our boys uh, the night before. And um, 
And so we opened up the Bible to Joshua 4, and that was one of our uh, favorite stories of when the Israelites crossed the Jordan and, and the Lord asks the, the uh, leaders of the tribes of Israel to grab a stone on the other side and build us uh, an altar of remembrance so that when the next generation asks, what are these rocks about? It tells a story of God's faithfulness and his provision. And we had done this, uh, Aaron and I had done this a couple times in our, in our marriage prior to this day. We thought with the boys, this would be great to do uh, this morning before we headed out for the day. And so we, we drew an altar, uh, 12 things. The boys had input on what they wanted their stones to be. And Aaron and I talked about what our stones were. And uh, there, were, there were things on there like miracles. We were thanking God for the, the miraculous way he brought the boys into our world for uh, his uh, provision for our family. Aaron had just finished her master's degree a month prior in special education. And we were really excited about uh, what he had for us in the future. We were thankful for uh, the legacy of, of love and salvation in our family because how he had saved my grandfather and on and on. We did this altar, um, had a time of, of thanking him for his goodness and praising him. And then we headed out for the day and, and less than then 12 hours later, uh, we lost Aaron, and and she was she was dead. It happened uh, suddenly, and um, I can you know share a little more in, in detail with you later if you'd like. But I um, I found myself giving CPR to Aaron, uh, trying to revive her. I I had. Uh, known full well from my background and, and training as a, a professional guide and doing lots of medical classes that, okay, this is what's supposed to happen physiologically. EMS will get here. She's going to come back. Um, my youngest son was was right beside me uh, watching, asking, you know, daddy, is mommy going to be okay? And um, yeah, buddy, just keep praying. We're, we're going we're gonna to get paramedics here. Mommy will be fine. And um and when the paramedics arrived, all I could do is just sit there and watch and pray. And it, it was this moment of this, this isn't even happening. Like yeah. this can't, yeah. uh, this can't be my reality right now. I mean, I think your, your brain is just trying to come to terms with, with what's going on. And, uh, and so I remember coming back to the, uh, the boys, uh, to tell them mommy's, mommy's gone we couldn't save her and um and then i remember going back to the apartment where we were staying with the boys and and i'm thinking to myself 12 hours prior we were praising you lord for your goodness your provision who who you are your faithfulness and now here we are and aaron's dead and you full well could have uh, revived her and kept her alive. Um, but for whatever reason, he decided to bring her home. Mm. And I felt like, you know, I, you can go two ways with that. I, I felt like you, you can either say this is just some kind of sick joke, you know, and, and I don't, I don't get it. I don't, and walk away from the Lord. Um, but I just couldn't do that, Davey. I, I, I believe it's a grace that God gives, but also the Spirit's 
power and intercession for us when we don't have it. Right. Uh, when all we can do is groan, as as God's word says, and I I felt like no, I I need to declare even in that moment of cloudiness and confusion, and you're still trying to come to terms with what in the world just happened. Is and is this really real? There is still something in me that felt like I I have to declare God is still good all the time, and I have to be able to look at that same altar that we yeah. just built 12 hours later and still remember God is good, even though I have no idea what's going on and I, I don't know where he's at right now. I have to believe that in his sovereignty, he He is still good in, in tragedy as well as um, times when you feel victorious. And, and I have to declare that for my boys. And one of the scriptures I've always anchored to um, is in Psalm 78, where it says, you know, we will we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord so that they will tell the next generation. And even those that have yet to be born will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. And I I felt like this, this isn't just a, something I need to do because it's the right thing. It's I, um, I have nowhere else to 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 find hope in real life and it's um I think of Peter's words, you know, and when in John chapter six John when six. Jesus just gives that teaching where a lot of his followers left and yep. uh and he looks at his disciples and he says, Are you guys gonna leave too? And Peter says, Well where else do we go, Lord? You have the words of life. And I yep. felt like I I still believe true life, real life is found in Jesus. I still believe, God, you're, you're just as good now as you were uh, 12 hours prior when everything was going well. Uh, but I, I can't make sense out of any of this, and I have no idea how we're going to get through it. <laughs> wow. Hearing these stories of pain, healing, and purpose often stirs up feelings inside all of us that propel us to want to address our own pain. I personally love hearing from faithful followers of Jesus who have gone before me in their healing. It's inspiring, but it's difficult to know where to start in your own healing. As a ministry, we offer so many ways to help you progress on your pain journey, and one of them is through our partnership with Faithful Counseling. We know how hard it can be sometimes to find a Christian counselor that is close to you, which is why Faithful Counseling is online and worldwide, so you can receive virtual counseling wherever you are with licensed therapists who are certified by their state's board to provide traditional mental health counseling from a Christian perspective. In 24 hours or less, you can be matched with a counselor who you connect with at any time from your computer, tablet, or mobile phone. Whether you want to talk through video calls, phone calls, or text messaging, they work with you however you are most comfortable, including making sure your counselor is a good fit for your needs. If you start with one and they aren't a good match, you can switch at any time. Faithful Counseling is not a crisis line, but it can be an incredible resource in your healing journey. It costs $65 per week and financial aid is available to those who qualify, which you can apply for when you sign up. To learn more, go to faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted and sign up with that link to receive 10% off your first month of counseling just for being a part of the Nothing Is Wasted family. Again, that's faithfulcounseling.com slash nothing is wasted. Now, back to our interview. 
I think for any of us listening to this right now, it just, it, it blows my mind to think about just the juxtaposition of those two moments. You know, this moment where you together as a family are celebrating and looking back on the goodness of God and how faithful he's been in your life. And, you know, no doubt the natural tendency in those moments is to think about the, the things that we would deem as good, you know, to go, wow, that this is amazing. You've shown up here. You've provided here. Wow, this is so good. Yeah. And, and then 12 hours later, you're, you're forced to look at that same altar Mm. and reflect and go, are you good? Mm. You know? And I, and I'm like, man, as I'm, as you're saying this, I'm, I'm sitting here going, you know, for one, every one of us that have been in a similar situation, we've had that same question where we've gone, wait a minute, everything that I thought that I knew to be true about life and about God, it's now been completely upended. Yeah. And Yet I also understand that feeling that you're talking about, the sense of the Holy Spirit that says, no, there, where else am I going? I have to trust and believe that you are good even in this as well. Yeah. And I think that's the, that's the essence of those altars, right? You know, it's one thing to make those altars when we're in celebration and triumph. Yeah, that's right. It's another thing to lay those altars in, in, down in construction when we're mourning. Mm-hmm and hold tightly to the goodness of God, even when we can't see it in front of our eyes. Yeah. Mm. And for the boys, I mean, we, when we came back to the house, one of the, the pictures that I kept on our wall for a long time and still have it is the, the altar that we all drew so they could, so they could even see, cause that was literally the last time Aaron put pen to, to paper. She loved to write as well. Um, they could see her words uh, written on those stones as well. And, um, and so that they could know as well as, you, you know, you're telling yourself that these yeah. aren't just flannel graphs and Bible stories, right. kids. Um, this right. is, God is, is real. We absolutely have a Heavenly Father that is walking us through this. That's right. Um, and then, as I mentioned to you in the, the beginning here, and, and the, the way that, that nothing is wasted is ministered to, to me and my boys, um, I also felt like you, we need to surround ourselves with those that can remind us that, that that is absolutely true as well, based on their testimony and what they've experienced of, of God. Yeah. Um, mm. And so having those men that have walked the road before them uh, one is a dad for, for me to hear from those men and be reminded, right. but then for them to also hear and see the strength um, that those men drew from what the Lord had given them in those seasons and who he'd been to them and continues to be to them. And to see that it's, it not only got them through, but they, they were enlarged on the other side of it. That right. They, they love more. They, they live louder. They, they, yeah. um, they're stronger because of it. And, mm. You know, one other thing we were doing, Davy, with our boys, we were we would uh, memorize uh, scripture with them in the mornings, kind of running around. I mean, you know, having kids, you're scrambling right. around <laughs> while you're cooking breakfast. Every morning, and I'm over here doing this. <laughs> <laughs> and we'd take uh, chunks of James, you know, and and one of the passages we just finished uh, memorizing right out the gate with them in the beginning was um, was the testing of your faith, developing perseverance, yeah. and perseverance. Uh, 
having to finish its work so that you can become mature and complete and not lacking in anything and, and, and considering it joy or opportunity for joy when you encounter trials of many kinds. So to, to look at the boys and say, um, the only thing that's the only place you can even find joy in something like this is if maturity and completeness in the Lord is ultimately what you're leaning into and living for. Wow. Uh, otherwise, there's nothing joyful about it. I mean, right. that's it's just uh, it's a silly statement. Right. Um, so to anchor them back to this wasn't just a scripture, boys, that we're memorizing mm. uh, because it's a good thing to do. This is a lifeline. Like yeah. this, this is this is life. This is why God gave us His Word. This is exactly what James is writing about, and this mm. is what we're what we're leaning into right now with one another. Man, wow. Which when, you know, when that becomes your hope that it's okay, my hope is anchored in Jesus and, Mm. and, and what he's going to produce in me and through me in the midst of all of this, Mm. you know, because that's who he is. He is a restorer. He is a redeemer. So I can trust in him in that, that then informs the next several steps on the journey, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure those, you know, as you're thinking, as you're thinking back to those first several steps immediately after you lost your wife, as you're trying to grapple with that yourself, as you're trying to help your boys grapple with that, can you, can you talk to me a little bit about what that was like, you know, because it's easy for us to sit here on this side of things and, or a lot easier to go, Hey, now looking back, I can see what God's been doing. But in those moments, right. You're, 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 you're anchoring yourself to truth that, you know, but man, it definitely isn't lining up with what you're feeling. So what was, what was that? conflict like for you in the first couple of months and, you know, even year after yeah. her loss? Yeah. At least a year. Yeah. Oh, yeah exactly. Yeah, you, you're least. right. You, um, you know, you said God's work in us and through us. And then there's times when I thought I found myself praying and in spite of me, Lord, because mm, right. when I struggle with belief, I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, the scripture that I'm, I've been, referencing as we're talking is just again it's it's a life it was a lifeline then it is now it's it's that stuff you put in your heart and you've talked about this before on the podcast Dave you have heard um when the storms come you know and you you have to have built your life on the rock um or you know in, in the heat of battle or in the game is not the time when you're going to be able right. to come up with it if you haven't and right. But even though that's there, um, boy, there was just so many days where I, th- there was one particular moment I remember walking, uh, going down to visit my parents. They live about six hours away and I brought the boys and I was out for a walk on the property and it was snowing pretty good. And I was walking down this trail and watching my footprints. And then I doubled back to come back to the house and my footprints were covered with snow mm. and I couldn't see them anymore. And I was talking with the Lord about the loss of Aaron and not just the loss of her, but everything you'd, right. there's this sense of entitlement. And again, I've, I've heard yeah. you talk about this, where we all feel like, Lord, we followed you into full-time ministry. And yeah. we, um, we gave our hearts to you as if we, I mean, as if he owes us anything, you know, yeah. and I know. we owe him everything. Right. And, but there's still this sense of entitlement uh, or even just the way it should have gone, according right. to what you you 
how you thought it should have gone for you. Yeah. Um, so she had just graduated her master's. We had put a lot into that. She loved being a, a special education teacher. Things were going really well in, in family lines ministry. We were kind of at this place where we thought, um, you know, with the boys, we had, we, I mean, every family has things right. they're not doing right and raising their, their kids. But, <laughs> but we, for the most part, we thought, you know, the, we feel like we're in a pretty good spot as parents too. And then everything just came unraveled. And so I, I felt like the tracks walking down the trail were the ones I laid with her 23 years, Lord, walking side by side and, and moving toward you and growing in you and growing in our marriage and growing in our parenting and, and, and in our ministry. And then, and now the snow has just covered these tracks and I'm doubling back and I have no idea where, um, where my footprints are anymore or where they're even going. And so I, I think the, one of the hardest parts for me was trying to lead, Hmm. um, especially the boys without having any idea where, where my next step was going to land and some of the, the comfort I drew and the, the counsel and the wisdom that people gave to me was just do today. All, all you yeah. can know how to do is just the, the next immediate right step that's, that's in right. front of you and, and take care of today. Yep. Uh, but that was such a frustrating feeling because <laughs> I wanted to see where I was going so I could tell the boys where we were going. And so I would know how to, um, feel calibrated again because yeah. everything else just was thrown out of out of whack. So that for me was one of the hardest things. Was um, and honestly, I mean, still, I mean, none of us that are parents have ever been here before. So right. in some ways, you've you again, you're not you don't know how to lead. <laughs> Your boys in every single way, or your yeah, kids in, in every general, single way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let alone with some kind of devastating, debilitating loss like this. Yeah, sure. and spiritually, I just didn't want to mess it up. Not in a dutiful way, but that's where I say, in spite of me, Lord, would you yeah. work in spite of me at times in my fumblings? Because I don't, I don't know. These are. I remember holding my oldest, uh, Leon when he was first born and looking down at him and thinking, wow, Lord, this, this is your child. I mean, in an earthly way, you've given him to me to, to steward, to know you, to reflect your unconditional love so that he knows the unconditional love of a heavenly father, but he's your son. And I found myself a lot of times just telling the Lord, I, these are your boys. Um, I'm your son. And and you've given me two sons that are also your your children, and I need you to show me how to lead your children because right. I I'm at a loss. Um, right. How do I lead when I'm needing to be led as well? And so, um, so yeah, to not be able to offer that strength as a father or as a protector or provider that you felt like you used to be able to offer right. um, was one of my biggest. Um, challenges. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's so interesting when you, in life, you just kind of, you think your feet are established, Mm. right? You think your, your steps are, are secure and any, anything in life really can remind us that that's not the case. Yeah. That, that idea of control or 
you know, planning, planning ahead that that's, that's an illusion. And I hate the fact that it, you know, ideally as believers, we want to, as scripture says, walk in step with the spirit. We want to, we want to think that our life is lived in such a way like Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to Mm -hmm. my path. Right. We don't, we don't see down the path when you're just holding a lamp up in front of you, you're seeing one step ahead of you. Yeah. And we even know as we're following the Lord, as we're learning how to do this thing, this in our spiritual formation, we know that this is how the Lord directs and guides and leads. He's going to do this thing one step at a time, but man, it just, it, it's so, I hate the fact that it, that it's these kinds of situations that bring us back into mm-hmm. that space where we're beginning to once again, learn mm-hmm. how to walk in step with the spirit, Yeah, you know, and not try to you know, outplan what God is doing, you know? And, and I guess that's why Proverbs says man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. Mm-hmm. And that in spite of us, we're, we're, we're walking a path that the Lord has, is directing for us and kind of paving for us. And it often leads us into places that we would never choose to go ourselves. Yeah. And yet it also leads us to places where we we're like, Wow. I would have never imagined this for myself in the positive way, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Hmm, man, um, you know, you you're, you've alluded to your boys, and I just you know I wonder if there's some things, if maybe we could could drill down practically if you're looking back in that season, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of people who are listening to this right now. They're in that season. They're like, okay, we've just experienced this horrific loss. Um, I mean, a friend of mine this week just lost his wife to leukemia mm. and he has four kids, mm. one of them special needs wow. and they're all, they're all younger than your boys are. But I mean, every one of us who have experienced loss, that's, that's, if not the primary f- thought, you know, that's one of the at least immediate secondary thoughts is how am I going to, how am I going to walk my kids through this? Yeah. You know, and you and and you've already so appropriately pushed that back on on the Lord and saying, in spite of us, you know. But I just wonder if looking back, you know, there's some things that you would say, hey, here's here's some things that I would have done or that I did do that mm. I would highly recommend in these moments. Um, and 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 maybe it would help some of us as we're walking that path right now, and we just don't know, we don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for my and I know everybody's journey is different and every single child is different. Mm -hmm. Um, but I did, I had a friend reach out to me shortly after I got back. And when we, so I mentioned we, we lost Aaron when we were on a family vacation in Idaho and it took us about a week to work our way back home here to, to Leavenworth. And the last thing I wanted to do was, was move back into the house when I came back. I mean, everything again, you're just, remember driving up the driveway and thinking, I don't even want to be here yeah. right now. This yeah. is, this is, um, the home that we built. Um, I don't really know if I want to do family lines, the ministry that, that we were working with. Yeah. Um, I don't know what to do with the boys, but I, I do, uh, remember someone had shared with me, you, you have to hurt to heal, um, yeah. <clears throat> where you, you can't sidestep you can, you can pretend like things didn't happen or they don't hurt. You can try and sidestep the grief, but the, the only way is to go through it right. and, and it's going to hurt to heal, but trusting that, 
the healing is on the other side of walking through that. And the longer you sidestep it or pretend or don't talk about it or don't talk about it with the kids or don't bring it up or, or downplay their feelings or their questions, it's just going to prolong that healing if it ever comes. And so I told the boys, I remember thinking to myself, I don't know if I even want to be here. I don't, my youngest son, on the other hand, he wanted to celebrate Aaron's birthday, which was mm. just a few days away. And in my mind, I thought, I, I hate this. I hate wow. the, I don't want to, but he wanted a cake and he wanted candles and he wanted to sing. But I made a commitment as a dad and I told them, I said, you guys, when we get into the house, um, there's going to be pictures on the wall that I may want to take down. Mm. If you want those up, we're going to leave those up. For the boys, I knew that coming back to the house was the only stability um, or one of the only places of stability for them coming back to the community. So I had my journey. And if I were only on my own, I might have chosen a different path uh, forward. But for the sake of the boys, my commitment was I I will walk through whatever hurts with them to Mm -hmm. see healing for all of us. And... And we need to talk a lot about it. One thing um, I've always had with the boys that I believe is healthy for anybody is that open line of communication. I I told the boys, there's no stupid question. There's no question off limits. There's no topic off limits. If you're afraid it's going to hurt my feelings, ask me anyway. I'm I'm your dad. I can handle that. You know, that's I I would rather hear from you guys and let's let's go there together. Um, so it was very much a a journey together through the grief with the boys and no um, no separation there of, of them and I. Now when it came to uh, count something like counseling, I had a friend that that called up and said, hey, I he had lost his wife uh, just a few years prior and he said I and he had six kids. Um, Wow. And he said the biggest thing for him was each each kid when it came to something like counseling or counsel from those that have been, you know, in a place where they can now help the kids, it just looked different. Yeah. And so his advice was don't don't force counseling on your kids. Um, so I I did go. We all went to a counselor to meet with, uh, and there were a couple friends of ours that I knew prior. And I told the boys, guys, let's go. And I'm not going to force you to go again, but I want to at least go and see uh, and see the this couple. And you can let me know how it. We'll talk about it after afterward. And my youngest, he went for the next several weeks. He it really helped him a lot. Um, for my oldest, he said, Dad, the the last thing I want to do is sit on a couch and talk to someone I don't know about the same things over and over mm-hmm. again. And I. I want to move forward and be with my friends. And um, now as I've watched, um, as things have progressed and we've moved forward, I do see for my oldest, uh, I think he's stuffed a lot of emotion and there's still things that he he's talking about even just now that he wasn't in a place to talk about before. So being... Uh, attentive to their timeline too in their process and checking in often is what something that I've um, continued to do with them is just uh, and and now that Julie and I are married too especially just wanting to 
um, when Julie and I started dating, in fact, I told her before we date, I want to get, I want to get my boys blessing. I want to yeah. get their permission. And it's, it's funny. Cause my oldest said, dad, you're a grown man. You're going to do what you want to do. And <laughs> I said, well, yeah, yes. True. And no, what you have to say is very important yeah. and I'm not interested in moving ahead and just leaving you guys behind to pick up the pieces. So, yeah. um, so we we still continue to move through in into this next chapter, and which is mm. um, very exciting for yeah. for us, but also uh, challenging. You know, yeah. it brings challenges because it's new and it's um, adjustments all around for the boys as well. And wow. um, so, so wow. yeah. Hey friends, happy new year. We have some exciting news for you to kick off the year 2022. This month, we are doing a complete overhaul and relaunch of our community groups platform and what used to be called our monthly partner program. We know our previous community groups platform and monthly partner program made it difficult for you to find your way around and fully engage with other people. So, We've been putting some serious time and energy into enhancing the experience of both of these platforms and combining them into something even better. Now, you'll be able to connect more easily with other people all over the world who are walking through the same valley you are. Plus, we're beefing up the platform with a ton more features. So, I want to officially introduce to you the new Nothing Is Wasted online community platform. With this new overhaul, there are now three subscription tiers that you can choose from. Community, Community Plus, and Community Collective. Let me explain each one of these. The first tier, Community, is absolutely free to join. All you have to do is create a login and immediately you can start connecting with other Nothing Is Wasted listeners from all over the world on this new online groups and forums platform. Now. When I was trying to heal from the loss of my wife, I wanted to connect with others who were either currently going through or who had gone through what I had. Because of the power of social media, it wasn't difficult to find those people, but it was difficult to find people who had the same healing and growth mindset that I had who could help me walk through my valley in a healthy way. We don't want you to have that trouble. We want you to connect with people from all over the world who are going through or who have gone through the same kind of trauma, tragedy, or major life transition that you're experiencing. And most importantly, that they share your heart to go from pain to purpose. So again, that's the first tier, community, and this first tier is absolutely free to join. On our second tier, Community Plus, you'll be able to access bonus content, webinars, exclusive courses, live events, meetups, special discounts for nothing is wasted products and services, and more. This tier costs the same as our old monthly partner program used to cost. In fact, is even replacing that old monthly partner program. It's $20 a month, but if you prefer to get a couple of months for free, you can subscribe to the annual plan rather than the monthly one. That annual plan only costs $200 per year. Now, finally, our third tier Community Collective isn't launching until August of 2022, but we are super excited for what we'll be offering here. 
We'll be collaborating with experts in the field to create practical, robust courses that help you along the pain to purpose path. So stay tuned. Right now, from January 10th to January 31st, we are opening up enrollment for the new Community and Community Plus plans. So now is the time to check it out and get enrolled. Make sure you do it before January 31st because on February 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, we're holding a three-night live virtual summit to kick off this new platform. This summit is featuring some of Nothing Is Wasted's favorite special guests like Kayla Steckline, Daniel and Brittany Brooker, and more. These guests will be with us live, chatting it up with me and answering your live questions. But this event can only be accessed by joining the community platform. So make sure you join right away. We'll keep you posted on all the special guests we're having at the live virtual summit as we get closer to February 1st. So stay tuned. If you're interested in learning more and enrolling in our new community platform, head over to nothingiswasted.com slash community. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash community. Now, if you were a part of our previous community platform, community groups, you should have already received an email in your inbox or check your junk folder inviting you to join this new platform so you can easily access it through that email. If not, pause this episode right now and head over to nothingiswasted.com slash community to join this new platform. I'm so excited to engage with you there. When would you say you started seeing really kind of a turn in you know, your, your, your story or how are you feeling about things? And, you know, what, what were maybe some of those major milestones in your healing journey that you can point back to and say, man, this is, this right here was a huge catalyst or this right here was definitely something that the Lord kind of brought this insight into my, that was a mindset shift that really propelled me forward, you know? Yeah. Um, God's always, one, one thing I've, always enjoyed is connecting with God and his creation. And, mm. um, a lot of where I've, you know, his written word, of course, but then also just hearing him speak through his creation and, right. and things that he shows me that connect with, with scripture that he also gives us. And, um, so one of those pictures that he gave me, there's, uh, was purple flowers. One of Aaron's favorite colors was purple and she loved wildflowers. And so, uh, everywhere I see a purple flower would connect with, uh, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And, and he would give me scriptures that went with certain, uh, things that I'd see in creation. So all, all through, um, you know, the boys and I do, did some backpacking together and some, some climbing trips and then some river trips. And I'd see these purple flowers everywhere. And this was just one, one yeah. thing he would use to remind me, but stepped me uh, through that process with him, walking hand in hand with him. Um, and each one of those times I would see that would bring another layer of, of healing. Just a reminder, I'm still with you. Yeah. I haven't forsaken you guys. Um, and so that, that would happen. I had a few other uh, symbols too that were connected to scriptures. And so he would just speak to me through those. Um, and I would share those with the boys and they had some as well. Wow. But the big kind of a 
a major point. Uh, I had a, a friend of mine that I took out on a river trip and he came up to my house uh, and he uh, he lives about a half an hour away. He said, I, I wasn't driving by, but I just had to come to your house and drop off this rock. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, well, that's interesting, you know, and he, <laughs> he had just come off a trip where he picked up this rock and he thought he was going to give it to his dad. That was his intention. And he said he went to bed that night after he got back from the trip and he just couldn't get uh, me out of his mind. And he said, the Lord was telling him, you just, you got to give this rock to John. This is a rock for John. Wow. So we went to a local artist and she painted a picture of this river scene from the trip that, that we were on together. And then he said there were there were three words that just kept coming to him that he had to have engraved um, on the back of that rock. And, and the three words were, the journey begins. Hmm. And so he gives this to me. This was in October um, of 20, 2020. December 2021, I uh, went down to visit my parents again. And this is, uh, they live next to the gravesite where my late wife Erin was, where we uh, buried her. And so I was up visiting the gravesite and just praying and praying over this, this rock too. Cause I, I don't, I don't take everything everybody says and blow it out as right. if it's the Lord's word, but right. it, you know, I, I do pay attention to those I yeah. care about that say they've been praying. And this was pretty uncharacteristic yeah. of this guy too. To, so I was praying over it thinking, Lord, is there something to this? What is this? Um, and that's where I really felt for the first time, Davey, that every when I was visiting that gravesite, which I had done several times prior, everything shifted toward thankfulness instead of sadness. Mm-hmm. And I turned this corner from, um, Lord, where's this all, all going? Um, this is the the loss being connected to sadness to to thankfulness for who God had been in our marriage for the 23 years that I did get with Aaron for uh, the fact that she's home and she's healed and she's with him for our boys. And then I found myself turning toward the next season. And wow, I wasn't, I mean, everything was on the table. Lord, the, the journey begins. Is that um, like mission work? Is it we move oh. to a different city? Is it just a new journey with the boys? I don't know. And then I found um, I was I was really uh, I was thinking about a lot of families that were struggling with with marriages, and I found myself praying and turned toward Lord. I I love being a family man. I love being a dad. I love to be in a husband. Mm. And if and when you ever had somebody for me, uh, that would be a a privilege I would, I would love to have again, yeah. you know, to be able to love again and, and live life with someone, yeah. um, and, and the boys to have a mom. And, but what came along with that was a, a caution or a word from the Lord that I heard was don't rest in that, but don't try and make anything happen. It was more of a confirmation of, yeah, yeah I, I really hope that somewhere in the future the Lord might bring somebody. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't know that all that, I actually wrote a little journal entry on it, shared it with some family and friends, um, and I had no idea that that was God preparing my heart for a month from then. 
and meeting Julie. Mm. And one thing I was um, sure of is I didn't want to, I didn't want to date. Um, I didn't want to, I just wasn't ready for it. It was the last thing I, I was interested in. I had some friends that had asked prior, tried to connect me with people and I just yeah. thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm honored, but I'm not, I'm not yeah. ready. Um, but, uh, mm. but yeah, on January 7th, um, 2021, I actually met, uh, Julie at, a in a parking lot, we were ski coaching, volunteer ski coaching together. <laughs> and, uh, I thought, huh, this, this girl's pretty fun to talk with. Yeah. I didn't even know that the funny thing was we had lived in the same community. So we live in a, a little community that's a suburb of a small community. Right. Uh, so Leavenworth has about 2000 people that live here year round. Plain, which is where we live is about 600. <laughs> Somehow, Julie and I lived in the same community for over a year, never met. We wow. we would uh, share the same spots for recreation, but we never ran into each other. We knew some of the same friends. She worked for the same youth ministry I had worked for for a, mm. a decade here in Plain. And I just, um, wow. you know, the Lord's timing was so yeah. evident. With we, He wasn't ready for us to meet yet. But, yeah. um, man, so... That isn't that yeah. it is kind of crazy when you think about that. And I don't know how to explain it. I really don't, other than just what you said. There's there's something in the 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 spiritual realm where timing is key. But you know, Christy and I can look back on hmm. multiple different seasons of life for a few years that we should have run into each other. Yeah. Very easily should have run into each other. And perhaps maybe did, but every time we kind of look back on it and think about it, it was like a, it was like a, we, we somehow something got thwarted or, you know, we weren't in the place we were supposed to be that we would have run into each other, that sort of deal. And it just, it's almost like this, I don't know, again, I don't know how to explain it. I can't really put words to it, but almost like the Lord in his kindness, um, you know, he, he veils those things so that so that you experience two different lives mm. all yeah. in this one journey with him, you know? Yeah. And I, and again, that might sound yeah. so crazy to people who are listening to this right now, but if you're a, a widow or a widower that has remarried, you probably connect with that. You probably understand. Yeah. yeah you know what? It feels like two different lives. And I love the fact that you articulated that you got to this place where it, it shifted from this sadness to this thankfulness to where you can look back on that life, right? That the yeah. past life and you That's can right. go, I'm so grateful that I had that. Yeah. I'm so grateful. And uh and then you can be in and present in this life. Mm-hmm. You know, with that same excitement and expectation. Um and that's just that's the beauty of what God does when he restores, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Um I was just thinking about uh you know, one one of the things that and I don't know how how Christy has felt either, Davy. But I, one of the things Julie expressed early on is, uh, and I think it's a, a very understandable hesitation. Is I I don't want to live in Aaron's shadow, yeah. Um, or I'm afraid of feeling second place, yeah. you know. And I, I just there's not enough words I can yeah. I can say to describe that is just the farthest thing from how I could ever feel about her. Um, And I see that, you know, the loss of 
of Aaron or, or the Lord bringing her home to yeah. him was not a surprise to him. Right. Um, and he looks at our life, you know, we live on this timeline yeah. <laughs> that we're confined to, and yet he sees the whole thing all the yeah. way around, not just this this line that, that we can only see from here to here, and then right. it goes from here to here. And, um, and so he holds the boys in his hand, they're his yeah. kids. He hold he held Aaron in his hand as his daughter. He holds me as his son. He holds Julie as his daughter. And he sees this um, picture of when he has to bring people together, mm. who they're going to walk with and, and what they have to give and gain from one another. And ultimately, right. the sanctification of them walking hand in hand toward him. And I told Julie, I'm, I'm just thrilled yeah. that God has given me such a gift in you, and you yeah. are irreplaceable, remarkable, one-of-a-kind, beautiful in every way, inside and out. And I, there's no way. And so was Aaron. Yeah. Um, Aaron was God's daughter, beautiful inside and out, irreplaceable in every way. But so yeah. is Julie. And and God brings Julie into the boys' lives right now. Yeah. I mean, Aaron was a nurturer. She loved being a mom. And I even think back to how she she had the young years with the boys, raising them and nurturing them. And yeah. uh, Julie, I, I look at what Julie has is giving and has to give to the boys in their coming into men years, you know, wow. at 18 and 14 wow. right now. And I think, man, Julie is perfect wow. for uh, what she has to give to the boys that they need to mature them into men after the Lord's heart in this season of life. And it's, um, and I really, with all my heart, Davey, I say, man, I, and Julie and I talk about this all the time, but I tell her the the best years are ahead of us. Like I, there's still so much more to, to life and so much more love that you have. And, and, um, the best years are ahead and to see God's, Yes, he really does all, you know, abundantly more than we can ask or or imagine. He loves us that way, and he he gives gifts that way. And that that is not something. I mean, if someone would have told me, even a year and a half ago, hey, you, let alone, I mean, you'll you'll be married, by the way, and let alone, you know, I I couldn't even. I mean, even just again, the idea of dating was not even. Right. It wasn't my focus, um, and I just. I'm overwhelmed by mm. um, by the gift of Julie and how God brought us together and wow. and what he's doing in our family right now. Wow. Um, you, can o- you can only say those things and truly believe those things when you're looking at it through heavenly eyes, through eternal yeah. an eternal lens. Mm. Mm. You know, I remember one of the most impactful books for me to read right after Amanda passed was Heaven by Randy Alcorn. Mm, yeah. I'm not sure if you've had an opportunity to read that, yep. but yeah, we have so rich With the boys too. Oh my gosh. And it just opened up my eyes to heaven as a destination. Mm. Right. You yeah. know, I mean, I spend time planning vacations for my family and I'm researching what are the fun, what's it going to be like there, especially if it's a new location we've never been to and what are the great restaurants and whether, but we, as believers, this is our final destination. We mm. don't, how much do we study about it? How much do we know about it? Right. Yeah. And, and we're not, our eyes aren't fixed on our gaze. Isn't fixed on heaven on a regular basis. We get so bound to earth. And I remember him saying Mm. in that book that I I think it was in this book that when you look through a kingdom lens, we look through eternal lens 
you know, departure here on earth, it, it's, it's an arrival in an, yeah. in an eternal lens, right? Yeah. The, the, the things that feel like a severing here are actually a mending. And so, mm. you know, oh, that we would be able to see life through that lens. Yeah. <clears throat> to be able to go, mm. man, I can celebrate, right? I, and, and I don't, I don't fully understand how this is, but, you know, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Mm. And how do we adopt that kind of heart, right? Where even in the midst of the tragedy and the sadness and the loss and the hurt that we feel, how do we begin to, you know, ask to see things through that kind of a lens that says, Mm. okay, well, is there a different perspective that you want to show me in this Mm. Yeah, to where I can, I can celebrate you know, where Aaron is right now, where mm. Amanda is right now, what they're experiencing, what their life is like. And at the same time, also celebrate this new thing that God is doing, mm. you know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think about um, the Garden of Gethsemane, you know, and I, yeah. I one thing I, I felt from in the questioning and in the, in the back and forth, um, that God always understood mm-hmm. um, that he's not looking at me as this angry father of how can you doubt me this way? Or how can yeah. you? Um, and I think about for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross. Yeah. You know, you think of that statement from the eternal perspective that you just described, you know, he's, uh, that's the joy set before him. He, he has that right. eternal perspective, but then you, you also think about the, the garden and how he's praying and father, if there's any other way. And I, I just drew such comfort from, yes, we set our sights eternally and there's, there's joy there. And that's, that is our destination. And yet we are also this side of heaven and the Lord is until we're with him for eternity and healed and whole. He's also walking with us here. Right and understands and um yeah i i i really appreciate what you said there because that's that's right on man um so you know here's a question and and i know we're gonna have to kind of come to a close here pretty soon but the you know when when people hear these stories so often and they hear this like it's kind of the story arc a, a lot of loss and then god's bringing you know kind of restoration and healing into your life and then you know in these kinds of stories like, like your life where where there's a, a remarriage after the loss of a wife you know mm. often we can stop there we can go okay and it, and it almost seems like that the challenges are done right that that's mm, the right. there's challenges still yeah, that you face regularly. What what would you say some of the biggest challenges that you're trying to navigate right now, to the degree that you feel comfortable sharing? You know, just to give us an insight into, in some ways, solidarity. Oh, you're. Yeah. I'm not the only one that's feeling and experiencing these challenges, even as I'm walking out a redemptive story. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, well, Julie has never had kids. That's a big one. So crash course. Here's two teenage boys. Um, <laughs> Oh, poor and Julie. <laughs> so she's, yeah, I mean, props to her for, wow. <laughs> I, um, she's awesome, but yeah, it's, it's hard. I mean, yeah. it's, uh, there's so much goodness and it's hard. And, and yeah. something we talk about a lot, Julie and I is man, anything worth, uh, ha- I mean, worth fighting for is going to be a fight. Like right. you, it's, you can't just 
walk into it and it's all going to work out and be yeah. sunny and shiny and um it takes work but it yeah. doesn't mean it's bad work you yeah. know i mean it's yeah. it's totally worth it and but to i think one of the biggest challenges right now is for her adjusting to having two boys sharing life with two boys well three boys um but for them as well as you know it's one thing to see dad date and then to be married and the boys were actually uh, my oldest was my best man and other my youngest son was up there too but there were times when my oldest told me dad I don't, I don't want to be your best man yeah um and we had to talk through well why is that buddy and uh i didn't want to force him up there but yeah. i wanted to respect where he was at but i also i i loved him and i wanted to welcome him in as part of the journey and yeah and we ended up, you know, you if you were at our wedding, you'd see that all four of us were up there and we had communion together. You see that picture. Yeah. What you didn't see was the conversations around the the table or out on the porch leading up to that of, hey, buddy, you need to apologize for what you just said. You can't treat Julie that way. It's not okay to treat me that way. Um, the tears when he said, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to process through this. Yeah. I mean, it's there's been some hard... You can't force your kids along with right. you. Yeah. You can't force them on the timeline you're on. Um, one of the uh, one of my mentors that I, I met with too that lost his um, his wife and uh, mom and daughter all in one accident uh, a number of years ago. Uh, he had he had said for him, I think he waited over ten years to remarry because he said my focus is on my kids. That was his that was his choice. And I, I respect that. And I wrestled a lot with that for a long, uh, time. I, I just knew my focus needs to be the boys and I still want it to be the boys. But I also, um, know that Julie was such a gift to me as, as my wife too, and a companion to raise the boys with and, and continue to grow them and just to share life with in my own, Hard as a husband, I mean, was was brought alive with the gift of Julie, and so I, I found myself and find myself in this world of uh, pursuing my wife, but also still um, raising the boys and not missing the boys, and and not trying to bring them along on the same. You know, you guys got to feel as strongly about Julie as I feel yeah. about her. Um, in the house right now, it feels a lot more. Um, uh, I don't know if natural is the word, but I, yeah, for, for the boys, I think you have to leave space. They, they love Julie. They love everything about her. And, um, but she's not Aaron either. And so there's this transition of them having to accept, well, this is how Julie would do it, or this is how Julie would say it, or this is how Julie would parent. And it's different than, then your biological right. mom, right. Julie's not going to try and be mom in a place where she can't. She can't. She's not going to try and pretend to be their biological mom, but she is a mother figure yeah. in their life and a parent for them. And that takes time and adjustment. And that's been, yeah. uh, that's just right where we're, right. we're walking right now. So, right. yeah. And that's the thing is like, you see all these pictures on Instagram, you know, in, in people's lives where you mm. think, wow, look at that. That's just, 
it looks so put together and beautiful. And yet I think we all know and have this deep sense inside that really our life is, it's a lot more complicated than that. And there's a lot of ups and downs within the whole journey to your point. You know, here's this picture of this wedding day where all of you guys are up taking communion together. And yet nobody's seeing what's going on behind the scenes. Um, that is a beautiful moment as well. Right. But it, but it didn't come with, without some conflict or some tension or some, you know, trying to wade through some things that are difficult. Yeah. And I think that's so important for all of us to remember, you know, especially if you're blending a family like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that, I think, I don't remember who I heard say this, so I can't, you know, I can't like take credit for it, but blended family is probably the worst term there is because yeah. of the connotation. I mean, I think of a blender, you press a button and it just mixes everything up. Right. And it's like, that's not really how this works. If you try to do that, it is a disaster. Yeah. There's a lot more of kind of just this, this weaving together of stories and lives and, and takes so much time and takes a lot of communication and it takes a lot of patience and grace and holding space with each other and yeah. a lot of apologies. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Geez, how many times I've apologized over the past few years. It's like, wow, I'm an idiot, you know? And and it just, but that's, that's the way it is. And then there's so much beauty that comes out of that. Yeah. And it's relationship. I mean, it's, that's the stuff that builds relationship. And that's something that Julie and I have been very, uh, upfront communicating with the boys is we don't know. We've never been here. You guys, I mean, we, that's right. Um, first time through for us to, I've never parented an 18 year old or a 14 year old. <laughs> I've told Julie, um, cause she's never had kids before. I've said, well, I've, you can draw comfort, babe. in the fact that I've never parented an 18 year old and a 14 year old either. So here we go. You know, I, we're on this. Together, um, yep. <laughs> yeah. We're in this together, but the boys know that too, that guys, right. we absolutely love you. Are we going to do it right every time? Yeah. No. Do we have a formula for this? No. <laughs> Do we love one another? Yes. Do we love you? Yes. Do we want to lean into everything our Heavenly Father has for our family that we know is is, uh, restorative Mm. and toward healing and and wholeness and laughter and love? And yes, absolutely. Are we going to screw up? Yes, absolutely. (laughs) But we we have to come back and apologize. Like you said, Davey, if if I've offended Julie, if I've offended my boys... I need to apologize in in front of them to the degree I've publicly um, offended them, you know, when I didn't mean to. And we need to make it right. And I feel like that's that's the stuff that builds family. That's what builds relationship. And and yeah, I've started, Julie and I have both started to listen to more uh, teachings and podcasts on blended families <laughs> uh, because of what I told you before with yeah. your your ministry of yeah we've we we draw a lot from the testimony of those That's that right. have learned ahead of us and and are willing to share and yeah so we're it's uh, great and and with family lines ministry I mean I find myself in this place of uh, man who am I to step in there and encourage a dad to engage his kids when. Mm. I don't know how to do it all the time either, but some of that is the point, right? I mean, it's uh, none of us have arrived. We're all in process. We're all in need of our Heavenly Father. Uh, We all have something to give and gain in relation to one another. And I feel like we we miss out when we don't just get in there and offer it or or go for it, you know? And so I, um, so it's, 
it is hard. It's not always easy, but it's it's absolutely worth it. And that's I feel right. like no, that's that's where the real meat is. And I I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it either. So that's awesome. Well, you know, I think the biggest travesty is people sitting on the sidelines because they feel like they're not the expert in something yet. Yeah. When the reality is, is anybody who is leading or influencing in any way, they're not the expert either. Right. They're yep. just, they just went first. That's and right. They're willing to share their, you know, failures and every once in a while their successes and just go, Hey, you know, I'm with you on this journey too. I'm trying to figure this out as well. And, and let's kind of, let's do this together. Yeah. And you know, that's fatherhood. That's leadership in your ministry. That's, you know, offering something out of your pain to minister to other people. Yeah. There's so many people listening to this and they have that same thought and that same feeling, John, where they're like, mm. what do I have to offer? You know, yeah. Yeah. you have everything to offer. Here it is. Yeah. Just like, you know, full circle right here. Revelation 12. We overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony. And as you That's share right. your testimony, you share your story with other people, then that, that is what you have to offer. Cause it, yeah, of course it's going to highlight some things that you're not proud of or some things that, you know, there are hard to talk about there because it brings up the sadness again, but it most importantly highlights the work of the Lord, the mm -hmm. restorative work in your life. Yeah, that's right. John, can you tell us a little bit about where we can, you know, follow family lines ministry and what you're doing and maybe how you know, there's some dads out there, maybe that can get connected to your ministry and just tell us how we can kind of come along the journey with you. Yeah. Well, those, those shiny Instagram pictures you were talking about <laughs> <laughs> can be found on family fly guy. That's, that's my uh, handle there on Instagram, right. but familylines.org is the website for the ministry. And then if, uh, if you're on right now media or you have access to right now media, we have some curriculum series that we've put out under the title of Mending Lines. Mm. Uh, and we have a series out right now called Cycle Breakers. And these are interviews of uh, fathers that have chosen to uh, parent differently going forward than, wow. than how their fathers fathered them. And this is just as a result of God's work in their heart and in their wow. life. And uh, so we have, we, we film these, um, we do these documentaries and then put them in a, a curriculum that can be worked through with small groups of fathers to encourage other fathers to, that's awesome. to hang in there. So that's, that can be found there too. That's so cool. That's so cool. Well, John, I mean, I've been looking forward to this conversation for so long and I'm, I'm just so grateful. And, um, I know it's ministered to so many people who are listening to this. And so mm -hmm. thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you. Thank you. You thank too, you. Davey. And hopefully we can get out and fish together sometime Absolutely. soon with your I am you taking you up on that offer. Yeah, do it. <laughs> You're going to receive a text message from me very soon. We're going to Good. We're going to get up there and have some fun and and it'll be it'll be a good time. Get to know each other yeah. a little more. So thanks so much, John. You too, Davey. Man. What an incredible conversation. Um I'll tell you, I got, I got on a phone call with John several weeks before we actually had that conversation and, and just, just listening to the tenderness and sensitivity uh, to the Holy spirit in his voice, you know, you can, you can tell that, I mean, even though you're separated by hundreds of miles, I don't know how far away Washington is from Indianapolis, but hundreds of miles, I could sense that, um, there was going to be a real depth 
to this conversation. And, and sure enough, there, there really was. I, I particularly want to want to draw your attention to this idea of the, the stones of remembrance that he talked about at the beginning of our conversation, because, you know, these were uh, essentially these, this, this concept draws from the, the altars or the stones that would be set up in the Old Testament for God's people to remember the faithfulness of God. You're going to see this all throughout the Old Testament in, in moments. Um, and, and they're moments to, to point back to the victory of God's people, to point back to uh, deliverance, provision. And I think these are so important for us to also apply to our lives. Now, you don't, I mean, I don't think you got to, you know, put stones around your house, or although you could, you don't necessarily need to build these actual physical altars, although you could. But, you know, one of the things that Christy, my wife does, she has a, an entire journal that essentially is um, her stones of remembrance. And anytime something significant happens, particularly things that she's praying for or that she's praying about and God answers those prayers, he comes through in deliverance or he comes through in faithfulness, he comes through in provision, she writes that down. And I think it's important to write those things down because those are things you got to go back and draw on later. You know, the best predictor of God's future faithfulness is his past provision. And often we find our find ourselves in situations where we forget God's faithfulness. It's not that God's not been faithful to us. We forget. We are so absent-minded. We are just like the Israelites. The Israelites wandering around the wilderness forgetting all of the miraculous ways that God provided for them, that he rescued them, that he delivered them. And they go about grumbling and complaining and doubting and questioning whether or not God is real and whether or not he cares. And these stones of remembrance, so to speak, these things that, these, these chronicling of God's faithfulness helps us when we get into these deep, dark situations to go back and say, no, God has been faithful. And I know that because he has been faithful, I know that he will be faithful. The psalmist in Psalm 23 says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Well, how do you know something's following you? Unless you look back and you can look back and see that goodness and mercy have been following you. And so because they have been following you, you know, they will continue to follow you all the days of your life. And so I think it's so important to consistently look back and use those, those markers in your life of God's faithfulness to point to how God is going to be faithful, to remind yourself of the promises and to preach those promises to yourself, to convince yourself again, to bolster your faith and say, God's going to see me through this. He's going to see me. He's not going to let me down here. And, and so I just love what John was talking about and just referencing those stones of remembrance. I think of, of David, right? When he is about to face Goliath, what does he say? When Goliath is taunting him, he says that the same God that rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from you. And he calls Goliath an uncircumcised Philistine, right? Which is like the, the Hebrew, um, I guess that's, maybe that was the, like the Hebrew, your mama joke. I don't, I don't know what that was, but, um, but he, he draws back from the, the faithfulness of God in the sheep fields. And he uses that faithfulness of God to bolster his confidence, his Holy Spirit confidence that God's going to come through for him right there on the battlefield. And so, man, these stones of remembrance are so important. You know, the other thing that I was thinking about, and, and we didn't 
you know, I think John, he, he referenced this, but he was battling with a little bit more of an inner turmoil than what he, than what he, um, let out to, to, you know, to us. And, and that is the same turmoil that every single remarried widower and widow battles with. And it's this tension. How do I honor my late spouse and at the same time, honor my current spouse? How do I do both? And, you know, I just, I, I, I admire his heart and the other widows and widowers that I've spoken to that are, are wrestling with that. And it gets particularly difficult in the age of social media where there's certain days that, you know, when people know about certain days, they kind of expect you to show up or expect you to say certain things on certain days. And, you know, there's no one right way to do this. Uh, Daniel Brooker and I, um, we talk about this all the time at the widower's retreat that we put on every October. By the way, if you are a widower, um, we'd love to invite you to that retreat. Uh, it's in, it's in October. You can go to Daniel Brooker, Daniel We'll put it in the show notes, Daniel Brooker, <laughs> Daniel Obrooker, danielbrooker.com. It's the Refuge Widower Retreat. If you just Google Refuge Widower Retreat, you can check out the dates for 2022 and you can get some information on that. But we always tell the widowers there, there's no one right way to do this, but there are a thousand wrong ways to do it. And so as we're navigating this, you know, we've got to understand that everyone's got to navigate their own grief themselves. And, 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 and you will get derailed in grief more than anything else if you look to other people to take your cues. If you base your, your direction in grief on the opinions of everybody else, on what you should have said or what you shouldn't have said or when you should have kind of featured your, your late spouse or your new spouse, or, you know, that is going to lead to uh, so much angst with all of this. And so, you know, one of the things that we've done, this is one of the reasons I wanted to bring Christy on to talk about this is because she's done such a great job in just giving me space, you know, and just telling me, Hey, anytime that you want to talk about Amanda, let's talk about her. Anytime you're wrestling with something that you you're grieving, you're there's something that's particularly heavy for you or tough. Don't keep that buried or stuffed. I want to know about that. I want to walk with you in that. And, and a lot of times, I mean, the world would look at that and say, that's that's just odd. That's peculiar. Well, yeah, we're Jesus people. Come on. We are peculiar people. We're kingdom people. We see things differently. In the kingdom, there's no jealousy. There's no, there's no comparison, right? And so um, while we, we, we battle with that here on earth in our, in our mortal bodies and, and in our human finite understanding, we've got to start stepping in and looking at things from a kingdom perspective and saying, hey, listen, Let's walk with grace with each other in these things. And so there are going to be times that, you know, I've just kind of decided, like, I'm not going to show up the way that other people expect me to show up. I'm going to show up the way the Holy Spirit is calling me to show up. So if he calls me to put some kind of a post on Instagram about Amanda, then that's when I'll put a post about Amanda on Instagram. If he calls me to put a post about Christy on Instagram, that's when I'll put a post about Christy on Instagram. And it's not going to be because other people expected me to, or I should have, or I shouldn't have. And, and, and Instagram is just a microcosm for the entire, um, the, the, the entire concept in general, you know, we've, we've got to walk this out and, and, and it is possible. It is possible. Hear me to honor both, 
to not diminish either one. You know, honoring your current spouse is not to diminish your your late spouse, and honoring your late spouse is not to diminish your current spouse. You know, each one, each one were right for you, were custom designed for you in this season. And you're a growing person. You're continuing to evolve. You're continuing to grow. And so if you're a widow or a widower, you know, the spouse that you will have or the spouse that you do have, the, the new spouse, it, it, that person is, is the exact person that you need for this season. And your late spouse was the exact person that you needed for that season. And as we walk with the Lord and we align ourselves with him and we walk in, in what he has designed marriage to be, and, and that is sanctification, then we, we can see that, that our, our spouse in that season, our current spouse is, is used to help us become more like the person of Jesus. So I admired John. It reminded me of that. It caused me to pause and go, okay, how do I, how do we walk this line of honoring both? And it's possible you can honor, you can honor both. That was, man, John, thank you so much for that conversation. That was just an incredible, incredible conversation. If you're, if you're listening to this and you're going, how, okay, I'm, I'm trying to navigate some really tricky waters, whether you're a widow or a widower, or you're in, in kind of another camp of trauma, tragedy, or major life transition. Maybe, maybe you're dealing with some childhood trauma that is emerging right now. And you're not sure why you're feeling certain things. Maybe there's some abuse in your past, or maybe, um, maybe there's sexual betrayal in your circumstances right now, or maybe um, you have had an abortion and you're wrestling with abortion regret and recovery, whatever it is, we have so many resources for you at nothingiswasted.com. We'd love to invite you to jump over there because our passion is to help you partner with God to take back your story. I want to particularly point you to our new community, Nothing Is Wasted community. Uh, We have a new platform that we've just switched over to. And, um, this this is super exciting because next week we are doing our launch event. It's an online, a, a virtual summit, and we've invited two very special guests. Actually, they happen to be widows, widowers. They happen to fall in this in this camp, um, not necessarily by design, but that just happens to be the case. Kayla Steckline is going to be joining us on February first live. Uh, Daniel and Brittany Brooker are going to be joining us live on February 2nd, both of those 8 p.m. Eastern time. And the way that you can attend that, it's free to attend. The the only way you can attend it is by joining our community platform. So nothingiswasted.com slash community. You'll find more information about that. You can also find information at live.nothingiswasted.com. And we'd love to invite you to that. Head over to nothingiswasted.com. We have so many resources for you. Okay, that was uh, you know that was a good first attempt of me just doing this by myself. Hopefully, Aubrey gets better soon. You guys don't have to hear me ramble and hear my unfiltered thoughts. Aubrey usually keeps me checked pretty well, right? She's she adds a lot. Um, if you guys are listening to this and you miss Aubrey, throw her out some love. Tell her you hope that she feels better soon. We want to thank Sleeping at Last for providing all the music for the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. You can go and download or stream his music anywhere music can be downloaded and streamed. We're going to invite you to follow us on Instagram at Nothing Is Wasted Ministries. You can follow me at Davey Blackburn. You can follow Aubrey at Sam. Next week, we have a very special interview. Uh, every week's a special interview, but this one I'm particularly excited about. We're done with the Widowhood series, and so we're going to be stepping into a new topic with a great guest, Brittany Tinsley. Go ahead and listen to this little clip from my conversation with Brittany. 
one of my friends during my freshman year committed suicide and it was something unexpected. Um, I had dealt with a few other kind of tragic deaths of friends before that, but this was just something totally different. Um, and I didn't know how to process it. I didn't, I just had no sort of frame of reference for what to do with this. And I felt very alone and I also felt partially responsible you know, that's something we know with suicide. People oh. carry a lot of guilt and a lot of, you know, what ifs and what could have been, you know, kind of yeah. thoughts. And that was something that I really struggled with, but didn't know how to verbalize at the time. Mm. Um, and so I really dealt with it alone and dealing with things alone, as we know, typically does not go especially well. Um, and that was what happened for me. So there was kind of a culmination of a lot of things that, that the suicide started and Eventually, kind of in a moment of really pure impulse more than anything else, I cut myself for the first time. 